This always gets to be a little bit tricky because I can't read without my glasses, but I can't fit uh, this thing and my glasses over my ear at the same time. So, Greg, you can deduct points for that right off the bat. So, so. Um, well, let's pray before we start. Lord, we're so thankful. Um, Lord, I, I feel like, like we've already heard uh, clearly from your heart this morning what Greg shared. Uh, Lord, our time in worship about uh, just your presence um, Lord, with us and, and among us, Lord, the reality this morning that you, uh, by your Holy Spirit, reside in each one of us who have called on you and uh, who have relationship with you through Jesus. Lord, that, that your presence is, Lord, is, 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 is here. Lord, that, but that when we leave, that, that we're going to carry your presence with us Lord, as we go out and have lunch and go back to our homes and, Lord, all of those things uh, that are going to happen later on today, that your presence, Lord, is more than enough for us. And so, Father, today that you'd continue that work, that as we're in your presence, that you would change us and, and form us, Lord, conform us to your likeness, Lord, your image, that you'd continue the work. Father, your word says that we we began as, as image bearers, marked, um, created in your image. Lord, that you would continue that work of conforming us and transforming us, Father, into your character and your likeness. Lord, use these words today. I pray that they would be rightly divided, Lord, that your body would be built up and encouraged, Lord, that we'd be equipped, Father, for every good work that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, that really is, a, with, you know, as, as we were, as Greg was, you know, shared that to open and, and then singing that song, it, it reminds me, if you, if you read back in the Old Testament in the book of Isaiah, you know, Isaiah 6, the prophet is standing there. In, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And if you read the, the beginning of that chapter 6, he talks about being completely undone completely undone, which is not a place that we, any of us tend to like to be, right? I like to be put together. I don't like to be undone. And I sure as heck don't like to be undone in front of God. If there's ever going to be a place where we feel like we need to have it all put together, it's in front of him. But I'll tell you what, and this isn't even the message today. This is just what God gave me during worship. It was in that place of the presence of God where Isaiah was undone, where he received his charge from the Lord, right? Here I am, Lord, send me. And it was in that place of being in the presence of God, completely undone. Woe is me. I'm wrecked. I'm a man of unclean lips. It was that place that Isaiah got his charge from the Lord. There. Amen? So we're going to take things a little bit out of order. Uh, I wasn't here last week. And so my prep over the last week or two has been sort of one teaching ahead of where I thought we were going to be this week in, in the, the ongoing series. So I think Nathan's going to double back next week. Um, so I'm going to focus today in Matthew 7, and starting in verses 7 through 12. And this is the, the hetero in my Bible over this section is, Ask, Seek, and Knock. And the interesting piece here is that there's a parallel account of this teaching over in Luke 11, and it's got the order 
is mostly the same of what's here in Matthew 6 and 7, right? The Lord's Prayer, and then, he, and then this piece. And in between there, there's a little bit about um, going and bugging your neighbor for bread at midnight when unexpected guests show up, which is sort of sandwiched in between that account that's not here. But overall, right, the, the piece um, that Nathan talked about several weeks ago in, in Matthew 6 around the Lord's Prayer and this story or this teaching, um, this illustration that Jesus gives in Matthew 7, right, we know is about, this is sort of him continuing on uh, teaching and equipping and training those who are with him around prayer. And it's, and it's interesting here because there's, you can see this thread, right? Our Bibles sort of divide out chapters and verses in ways that are, feel a little bit artificial when you start looking you know, over the span of teachings that we've already looked at over the last few weeks about the Lord's Prayer, about not worrying. And I'm going to try to make some of those connections this morning, but there, you, can, you can very clearly see here what Jesus is trying to get at uh, as he's going through um, in, in this particular set of, of teachings, including, like I said, in, in Matthew 6, where he's talking about not, not worrying and about seeking first the kingdom, that it's the same word. Seeking the kingdom there is the same seek that he's talking about here. And one of the, I, I love these, this particular passage, but there's a, there's a, a whole bunch of these throughout the New Testament where there's like these little groups, right? Three or four verses, five verses, teachings of Jesus, where it is wildly practical, just in terms of everyday living, right? It is profoundly spiritual. And at the same time that he's pouring out to his disciples, at the same time that he's giving them what they need, maybe the most amazing piece here is that he's also revealing to them the very heart and mind of our Heavenly Father, right? So he's giving them practically and revealing, and right, it, it makes sense, right? Jesus is the manifestation of an invisible God. He's, he's the, the image, but in terms of understanding not just a, a sort of a far-off Father, but the heart and mind of why God does what he does, the way God thinks about things, the way his heart feels towards things is really embedded in, this, in these couple of verses, right? And it's, it's similar when you look at passages like the, the prodigal son, which we oftentimes jumps, jump into, I'm either the son who took his inheritance and left, or I'm the son who stayed behind, right? Most of us can locate ourselves in one of those two sons, but I think a little bit like that passage, which I would argue to you is not really about either son, it's more about the father than about either one of the sons, because it's a picture about our father, right? That this passage, he's giving us direction about asking and seeking and knocking, but really the, the more important piece here is what you can see about the heart and mind of God attached with those directions, So let's take a look at this. So Jesus says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. 
He who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Would you hear that? Is there anything in you that just sort of feels a little bit uncomfortable in those directions? I'm going to come back to that one. This is a, he's, he's giving the direction here is exactly what it seems like. Okay? This is not one of those where like the, the original meaning is drastically different than what we have here. When he says ask, do you know what it means? Ask. Right? There, there's not a lot of interpretation needed here. Right? To beg, to call for, right? to ask. You don't, you, don't need a, you don't need to be a scholar here. Right? To seek. Same thing. Right? To investigate, to inquire, right? to dive into. And to knock literally means just a picture of knocking on the door, rapping on the door. This is exactly what it seems like on the surface. And if you, if you think about this, right, we, th- this, is, this is sort of in us. You know, Greg was talking about the kids earlier. Um, some of you deal with this more regularly than others, but if you're a teacher or a parent or a grandparent, um, if you hang around with my kids long enough, it won't matter whether you're related to them or not. Kids ask, right? Kids ask for things. Dad, can I have fill in the blank? Money. <laughs> right? So you so if you're if you're smart, right, you're you hand over a quarter and say, No, no, no. Not the coins, the bills. I'd like a bill, please. Now they already got money, but they are not afraid to ask again. At least most kids, right? I'm not afraid to ask again. Here's a one. No, 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 no. I want the one, the bill that has the one and the zero. Or the two zeros. <laughs> right? My kids know there's, those bills don't exist in our house. <laughs> But it's other things, right? Can I stay up late? How late can I stay up? This is the, you know, one of the pieces in our house. Right? Whatever the number is, can I add 30 minutes to that? Can I have game time? Whatever that number is, can I add right, at least 15, 20 minutes to that? What else do they ask for? Ice cream. Right? 7.30 in the morning? 7.30 at night? Doesn't matter. Can I have some ice cream? Right? What else? 
Right, keys for the car. Yeah, you forget about going to a store together. What else? Wi-Fi. <laughs> you know, just the password. I don't need anything else related to Wi-Fi. I just need the password. Okay. Right, it comes natural, right? There's, you know, I'm not, I'm not proud of this, but right, I can remember, right, uh, uh, at, at birthdays or at Christmas, right, you, uh, you get a gift and you say, man, I love that gift. Next time, could you also get me Right? I don't think that that's always because a kid doesn't have, you know, they're not thankful, they're not grateful, they're not content. Right? Kids just know, like, man, if you did that, like, there probably could be more. It's at least worth asking, right? They're not wrong. And I don't think Jesus is, is, I don't think he has a problem with that, right? If you go back into Matthew 6 and you look at it, even in the Lord's Prayer, there's asks built in there. Right? There's at least four, maybe five, depending on how you read it. Give us bread, forgive our debts, lead us not into temptation, deliver us from the evil one. Those are all asks of the Lord embedded inside the prayer that he was teaching his disciples how to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done, right? That's also sort of an ask. It's a little bit more declarative, but. I don't think us asking upsets the Lord. And that's where I go back to the, sort of the question I asked earlier. When you hear this passage, does it give you a moment of pause? And my guess is it does for one of two reasons. One, because if you're an adult sitting in here, generally what happens over time is we stop asking. Why do we stop asking? Because we think that we know how to figure it out. I think I know how to lead on my own. I think I know how to provide on my own. I think I know how to help on my own. And so we stop functioning like little children and we start functioning on our own. There's another teaching embedded in that, right? You, right? Unless you become like little children. I think there's a spin-off series here, but There's other reasons why we stop asking, though, along the way, right? Some of us, right, we've touched on or you've heard or you've seen from afar, right, things like, you know, the, you know on, the, on the prosperity gospel side where we sort of get uncomfortable. Some things are okay to ask for and others are just over the line, right? Am I wrong? You got somewhere in your mind, somewhere in your theology, you have a line of things that it is okay to ask the Lord for, and you have things that are over the line to ask the Lord for. Let's be honest with each other. I absolutely have a line. Right? Am I wrong? 
how do you know where that line is? Now listen, I'm not suggesting that, that that be the direction that we go in, right? I think there are pieces that God is very, very unlikely to honor. But what I'm saying is oftentimes we establish that line rather than allowing the Lord to establish that line. Right? But we all have a line, right? Nathan talked about this a couple of weeks ago. And I don't mean to blow him out of the water while he's not here. Jackie's here so she can tell him everything I'm about to say, right? They got a house. They weren't even asking for it. Does that seem ridiculous to any of the rest of you? Yeah. I feel like I can go here because I know the answer to that question, right? They didn't even ask. And I don't know. This isn't like, you know, coming against Nathan or Jackie. Like, I think you guys were, correct me if I'm wrong, wildly content with sort of where you were at. And didn't even think to ask. And I don't know if that was Nathan's line or Jackie's line. I don't know. But they weren't asking. But here's the reality. They have a good, good father who knows what they need even before they ask, even before they perceive their own need. Right? God provided for something in a completely ridiculous way, which is totally awesome. Right? Those, those become the best stories, right? The other thing that happens to us is either we, and generally I think these, th- these things go together, right? Our line moves depending on our experience. When I ask for something and I don't get what I asked for, right? God doesn't provide it. What happens? I move my line, Right? The last van that we had, or two vans ago, I can't remember. Like, we drive our vans until they fall apart. I mean, literally stop on the side of Route 88, fall apart. Time for a new van. The last time that happened, right, I'm ready. I'm looking online. I'm going to, and Jules says, you know what? Let's pray that God will just give us a van. I thought she had lost her dang mind. Right? We were not in agreement about how to move that forward. And so we asked the Lord, Lord, we need a van. Free. Do you know what? We did not get a van for free. But do you know what? Her line didn't move. Mine did. Because we asked. And my experience didn't align with this. But that doesn't mean that God's unwilling. Right? The question is, and and we sang about this 20 minutes ago, right? You give and you take away. Right? That word give is all over the place in this passage of Scripture. God is a giver, right? Part of his nature is as a giver. The question for us is, do we trust the manner and the condition and the timing when he does that or not? See, when I ask for things, I want them right away. Anybody else identify with that? I'm not a good waiter. My kids will tell you that. 
My colleagues at work will tell you that. My wife will tell you that. And so for me, one of those wrestlings is, do I believe that he's still good even when I ask and he doesn't give in the manner in which I want him to give or in the timeline in which I want him to give? You see, that's that's an adjustment that's being made in me, not him. Because, and, and, and Jesse went exactly where I couldn't have set this up better, right? When my kids ask for ice cream at 7.30 in the morning, it's not that it's the wrong ask, it's that it's what? The wrong time. Maybe you disagree with that. Like, maybe ice cream at 7.30, completely fine. And some days and seasons, you could probably get me to say yes to that, right? Most mornings getting ready for school, we're not doing ice cream at 7.30, And so the same way that I, as, a, as a, a natural father or, you know, parent or aunt or uncle or, or grandma or grandpa or responsible adult person, has to sort and, and sift and filter through those asks that all of these wonderful kids that are in the hallway next door to us, right, they're going to ask without filter, right? We are the ones who filter through that. And I think what Jesus is trying to get through to these guys in this teaching is, if you guys who are evil, I love when he doesn't mince words, you guys who are evil, who are corrupted, who are selfish, who have your own interest in mind, right, who are not entirely good, if you know how to give good gifts, how much more your father who has none of those issues inside of his own character or nature, know how to do that. God is more than capable of sorting through the things that we ask, whether they're needs or want or some combination, whether they're wildly outlandish or a, a, a pressing sort of thing. He is abundantly able to do that. I'm going on a mission trip. You know, Grace and Nathan are up here. I'm going on a mission trip. I need to raise this amount of money. Lord, I need to raise this amount of money. I I can't pay for that. How much money is too much money to ask the Lord for? I don't know where your line is. Does that make anybody uncomfortable? it still makes me uncomfortable. Let's come back to that. Right, James 1.5, you don't have to flip there, I'm just gonna, James 1.5 specifically says, it's one of my favorite books, after Hebrews, James, probably my second favorite book. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all, and this is the part that I take so much refuge in, without finding fault. And it will be given to him. If you lack wisdom, ask God. 
he'll give it to you without finding fault. Chaz, this is something you should already know. We've been over this a hundred times. That's not how God approaches this. Lord, I need you right now. He's a good father who knows how to give good gifts without finding fault. Does God address needs that I have that, I sh- that, that maybe I should be in a different place than I am? Yeah, of course he does. Dozens of times a day. Underlying this is a relational component that I think we're still, grasp- we're still grasping to fully understand. Your kids ask you for wildly crazy things. Right? Other kids ask you for wildly crazy things. Right? Because they have a relationship with you. Because they trust you. Because they know that you're for them and not against them. Because they know that if you could, that you would. And they also trust that if they asked for something that would hurt them, that you would stop them. There's things that we ask for that we think are exactly what we need that are nowhere close to that. And so when God gives and takes away, do we believe that he is still good and doing for our good what needs to be done? That causes me to move my line. The answer to that question. I don't think this is, this is a new dynamic, and I'm going to show you this as we go forward. If you flip, over, flip back into 1 Kings 3 in the Old Testament, this desire of God, this is one of those things that I love looking at. If you guys have heard me up here before, you know I love being able to see something that shows up in the Old Testament show up hundreds or thousands of years later in the New Testament where you can see that it's the same God, that God didn't change from the Old Testament to the New Testament, same God from one place to the other. So if you go into 1 Kings 3, this is a pretty familiar story for some. This is talking about King Solomon. And I'm going to read this whole passage, and then I just want to pull out a couple of pieces here. But listen for the key words. It says, Solomon made an alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married his daughter, sorting it out on his own. He brought her to the city of David until he finished building the palace and the temple of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. The people, however, were still sacrificing at the high places. Not a good thing. Because a temple had not yet been built for the name of the Lord. And Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the statutes of his father David, except that he offered sacrifices and burned incense on the high places. This is not a man who's got it all together, guys. He's doing a lot of good things, but not everything, right? Worshiping the Lord on high places, not a good thing, okay? So the king goes to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Where does the line seem to be on that? Ask for whatever you want me to give you. 
not need, not ask me what you need. Ask me whatever you want. And the king went, oops, I'm sorry, wrong paragraph. And Solomon answered, you've shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. And you've continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, O Lord, my God, you've made your servant king in place of my father David, but I'm only a little child. And I don't know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong for who is able to govern this great people of yours. And the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, Since you've asked for, for this, and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice, I'll do what you've asked. I'll give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will have never been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I'll give you what you haven't asked for, both riches and honor, so that in your lifetime you'll have no equal among the kings, And if you walk in my ways and obey my statutes and commands as David your father did, I will give you long life. Then Solomon awoke and he realized it had been a dream. And he returned to Jerusalem, stood before the ark of the Lord's covenant and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. And then he gave a feast for all his court. Ask whatever you want, Solomon. The God of the Old Testament is giving the same direction that the the God of the New Testament was putting out for his disciples during the Sermon on the Mount. Right? And Solomon responded. It says it pleased the Lord. It made the Lord's heart happy that Solomon had asked. Right? He didn't dance around. Lord, you've given me so much. I don't really need anything else. I'm good. He asked for what he honestly I believe both wanted and needed. And it says that it pleased the Lord. But see, God went above and he he went above and beyond, right? Okay. Not just wisdom. More wisdom than any king is ever gonna has ever had or ever will have. You talk about a God who gives without measure, who pours out without measure. Riches and honor. 14 comes with a, a conditional, right? Long days if you walk in my ways, right? Which he doesn't. But God gives him the opportunity. But see, God, God's offer and Solomon's ask lead something else here. Right? The ask leads to, go back to, and look at verse 3. Right? I talked about this. He's offering sacrifices and, 
at the high places. That's what Gibeon was. But this exchange with God where Solomon, where God makes an honest offer and Solomon makes an honest ask leads to the next part of what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 7. Because Solomon finishes that conversation with the Lord, he gets done asking, and he starts seeking the Lord. He leaves Gibeon, the most important high place, and goes back somewhere else to stand in front of the Ark of the Covenant. Literally, it causes him to go and seek the Lord's presence. That's what the picture is here. And I believe as we have, guys, these honest conversations with the Lord where we're asking, right, that it's, it causes us to almost fall into that next piece where we start seeking the Lord, right, his presence. Not just anybody got to stand in front of the Ark of the Covenant. We've talked about this in the, in the past. But he goes and he makes offerings. But it's, it matters here when you look at, he doesn't just go and worship. He goes and he makes, if you look in verse 15, he goes and he makes burnt offerings. Burnt offerings were a, for paying for sin. It's a, the fancy theological word is it's a propitiation for sin. He goes back into the Lord's presence. He's undone. It's a picture of him surrendering, right? committing himself to the Lord, of seeking the Lord in a way that he had not been up until that point in his life. It's a picture of him doing exactly what Jesus talked about in that teaching just a, a little bit before where we are today about seeking first the kingdom of God and letting all of those other things be added unto you. If there was ever a guy who had that dynamic manifest in his life, it's Solomon. He asked for one thing, for a wise and discerning heart. And the Lord added to him in completely ridiculous ways. More wealth, more honor, more wisdom. And it changed Solomon's heart. I think there's something in this asking for us that would change our hearts. I'll tell you guys, this dynamic, right? Look, cards on the table, probably, uh, I, I'm not great at, at praying. Not as great as I'd like to be. Probably not great even by a normal standard. But I'll tell you one thing that I, over the last couple of years, have gotten better at is I ask the Lord for everything. When I'm going into a meeting at work where I'm afraid because I'm going to present and I think I'm going to, this is not going to go well, 
I ask the Lord. When I have to talk with a team member, when I have to, right? Lord, I don't know how to parent my kid in this situation. I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't pray for, for minutes or hours. Lord, Lord, I need to know how to have this conversation right now. Lord, I need to know, I need you to provide this thing. I don't know how we're going to do that. It's not, they're not wildly complicated prayers. I don't, I don't get everything I ask for. Not in the way that I want it. Not in the timing that I get it. I still have rough meetings. I still have conversations where my kid, with my kids where I come out looking like a complete idiot. I refuse to stop asking. He'll sort it out. He'll sort it out. Proverbs 8:17 I love those who love me and those who seek me find me. The reality is if you're going to if you're going to journal something, note something, put something in the margin of your Bible, you're going to put a note in your phone, here's here's the reality. This is what this teaching is showing us. God is a finder who wants to be found. He will move heaven and earth coming after you to find you. And do you know what? He wants to be found. He wants you to find him. He wants you to seek. His offer here is if you seek, you will find me. I'll make myself findable. I have made myself findable. Right? Why else would an invisible God send his son to be the manifestation, a visible manifestation, a human man manifestation, if he didn't want to be found? He's a seeker who wants to be sought out. Luke 19.10, right, Jesus specifically, right, if you ever wonder, Jesus, what are you, what are you doing here? Right, Luke 19.10, Jesus tells the disciples, I've come to seek and to save the lost. He's a seeker. Right? Who wants to be sought out? Go back and and look for homework, for devotional, however you want to do this. Go back and read the parables in Luke 15. Prodigal son, the lost son, the lost coins, the lost sheep. And read that understanding that the heart of God is to be the one who's finding those things. He's not put off by your asking as much as you are. 
And I would challenge you in this. What do you need? What do you need? Ask him. Ask him. And trust that he's good. Trust that he's a father who knows how to give good gifts. Trust that he's a father who knows what is good for you. Right? Who can sort through ice cream at 7.30 in the morning as opposed to ice cream at 7.30 at night. Trust that he can do that. And see what happens in your relationship with him. See what that'll start revealing about his character and his nature to you, about his heart towards you, about his mind towards you. Revelation 3, this is the verse for me when I started my relationship with the Lord. You guys have heard this. I stand at the door and God himself is a knocker. He's calling us to be like him as a knocker. All of these things that he's, he's asking the disciples, he's teaching them to do, these are all ways when we ask, when we seek, when we knock, that we're functioning the way God functions. It's a way of becoming more like him. I honestly believe that. I want to just encourage you to have an honest conversation with him. What do you need? See, I, we believe sometimes that this was a, that the offer to Solomon was, Solomon, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you this opportunity because you're a king. And that it's the sort of thing that's reserved for certain people. Let me remind you of something this morning, that, that in Christ, he calls us kings and priests, right? That the same thing that he's extending to Solomon, he's extending to you. What, ask me this morning. Maybe it's provision, maybe it's health, maybe it's peace, maybe it's hope. I don't know what it is, but here's what I know. He wants you to ask him. And to trust him with your ask. What's going on in your family? What's going on in your marriage? What's going on in your job? What's going on at school? What's not going on in any of those places? Ask him. Let him sort it out. Let him sort it out. Amen? Lord, this morning... Father, I believe this, but I need you to help me in my unbelief of this as well. Lord, that as we wrestle through this, that we would find you in the midst of that. Lord, that you would continue to, to meet with us, that you'd continue to, to reveal yourself to us, Lord, the way that you did to Solomon. Lord, to remind us of, of your heart in this. Lord, that you'd continue to 
to renew our minds. Father, that you'd continue to to fix our eyes and, and how we see you. Lord, to know that you are, in fact, a good father who knows how to give good gifts in good ways, in good timing, for our good. Lord, would you continue to draw us into that? Lord, we're thankful for your presence this morning. As we gather together, and Lord, we're thankful for your presence in us as we go forth. Lord, continue the work that you're doing in each one of us. Lord, we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. I just want to encourage you, if, if you're not hard-pressed to have to leave right away, if you have business to continue to do with the Lord, to not leave until you've done that. If he's making specific things aware to you, if he's putting specific things on your heart or your mind, don't go about business as usual. And if you need to stay, stay. Continue to ask, continue to seek, continue to knock. Amen? Amen. You are dispersed.